Welcome to Dayspring Church Online, where we share the message of hope all over the world. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you live a more fulfilling life with God at the center. For more information on how you can take part, visit us at dayspringpc.org. We are in a series of messages where we are examining the person of Jesus Christ. We are looking at who he was, who he said he was. And in the book of John, in the gospel of John, um, Jesus makes seven statements about himself. And this is important because everybody has an opinion about who Jesus is. And, And if we're honest, many of us, our opinion of Jesus has been established by Hollywood, has been established by maybe uh, our grandma, our grandpa, has been established by by something else other than Jesus. And if you want to know who Jesus is, you got to let him tell you himself. Now, you may be wondering, well, what's the whole point of knowing who Jesus is? That's just kind of your opinion. No, we're not looking at my opinion. We're looking at what Jesus himself said. And, and, And here's why this matters for us, okay? Because when you know Jesus, when you get to know him for who he is, then you realize that becoming a better person, that a better tomorrow is available for you. Because see, here's a beautiful thing. And when you read the Gospels, when you read the four Gospels, which are a biography of the life of Jesus, when you read them, one thing stands out very clearly. And that is that every person that ever came in contact with God, with Jesus, was never the same. If they were sick, they would be healed. If they were lost, they found the truth. If they felt lonely, they found a family. Because Jesus always comes and makes a difference in our surroundings. So if you encounter Jesus, if you discover Jesus for who he said he was, let me tell you, you're going to be a better person. Anybody here not want to be a better person? I just want to be more rotten to get on his nerves even more. I just want to be more miserable to make the people around me more miserable. We all want to be better. In fact, that's that's one of the reasons I say we come to church. We come to church not because we're already better, because we need to become better. And we need God, right? We need to become better wives, better husbands, better parents, better grandparents, right? Pray for for my parents. They need to become better grandparents. I'm just kidding. Um, Better brothers, better aunts, better cousins, better friends, better uh, children. We need to become better individuals overall. And see, last week we looked at the first of the seven statements of Jesus when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, I want to look at the most scandalous claim that Jesus made of all seven. This one irritates people like no other. It has been called arrogant, narrow-minded, bigoted, and snobbish. Why? Who does Jesus think he is to be able to say something like that? What is it that Jesus said? Well, in John 14, verses 1 through 6, we, we find the story. Read right there with me. Look at what it says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. You believe in God. Believe also in who? Because there's some people that believe in a God or even in God, but don't believe in the person of Jesus. Okay, just so you understand that my father's house, who's his father? God, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with, to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, remember Thomas from last week, the guy that said, let's just go die with Jesus? Here he is again. I, you know, I just finished reading the Gospel of John in my devotional time, and John mentions Thomas a lot. I wonder if they had an issue going on. A lot. I'm serious. If you read the Gospel of John, you'll see that John talks about Thomas a lot, and he even calls him the one nicknamed the twin. So, so they had nicknames back then. Thomas said to him, here's Thomas again, right? There's some Thomas in our, in our lives. There's some Thomases in our church. And maybe, maybe two other people, you're, you're annoying. Maybe two other people, you, you, you're, you're a pest, right? Did you, you, you didn't know this. I was going to say, did you know this? Growing up, I was the kid nobody wanted to take care of in church. Seriously. I was the annoying kid. I was, listen, one girl even one time told me, she goes, that's why no girls like you. Well, here's what happened when Jesus gets a hold of you, right? So if you're a Thomas, you got a purpose, and you're still part of the story. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And here's the scandalous, the arrogant, the bigoted, the snobbish statement that Jesus makes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and if he had said that, most people wouldn't have a problem. But it's the next part that people have a problem with. Look at what he says. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. Uh, what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at two very important issues regarding our faith. I want to answer some um, questions that are brought up, some arguments that are brought up regarding our faith, then I want us to look at this passage because I believe there is a blessing for you this morning in it. Okay? So here in this passage, Jesus makes an incredible statement. It is an exclusive claim. You could say that it's a dogmatic statement. If you don't know what the word dogmatic is, it's an unbending assertive, rigid statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very dogmatic statement. Now, truth has to be dogmatic. Two plus two always equals what? Four. Not six. Our brother needs math. Two plus two always equals four. Whether you're counting oranges, whether you're counting dollar bills, whether you're counting kids, two plus two always equals four. Because truth has to be dogmatic. So that whether it is a bank, whether it is a family, or whether it is a grocery store, they are able to use the truth. Now, there's a lot of ignorance that passes as dogmatic. There's a lot of ignorance that is very dogmatic, but not all dogmatism, not all rigid statements are true. But I, I need you to understand, I know it's a little confusing, but truth has to be dogmatic. Two plus two cannot mean four for me and four and a half for you. Okay? It has to be. Now, what is this scandalous, dogmatic claim that Jesus made? 
Well, he said, if you want to know God, if you want to get to God, I am the way. If you want to know the truth and not deception, he, listen to this. He didn't say, I have the truth. He said, I am the truth. Because the truth is not a philosophy. The truth is not even a statement. The truth is a person. And he said, if you want life, if you want abundant life, if you want eternal life, he said, I am that life. Now, I need you to understand something. Jesus here is not talking about religion. Okay? He is talking about a relationship. He is talking about himself. Many people confuse those two. They confuse the person of Jesus and having a relationship with him with religion. Okay? And that's why many people say, oh, Christianity doesn't work. Because they've experienced a religion, but not a relationship. See, religion is dangerous. It's the relationship with Jesus that transforms. Many people want to know Jesus through a relationship. It can't happen. He's not a religion. He's a person, and he invites us to have a relationship with him. So there's a lot of people that, that maybe are saying, you know, I've been coming to church and nothing has happened because you've been experiencing a religion. And you leave this place and you forget about Jesus. You don't spend time with him. You don't talk to him. You don't meditate with him. You don't listen to his voice. So that's why nothing changes, because you are experiencing a religion. When Jesus said, I am a person, I am a relationship. So I want to answer two, or I want to address two issues regarding our faith. Here's the first one. You can fill this out in your outline. Here's something that you've probably heard or you yourself have probably even said. And that is, all religions are basically the same. Okay? All religions are basically the same. Now, listen to me. You're probably saying, well, you know, Christianity is a religion. Well, we're going to define it a religion in the sense of beliefs, okay? But I, I'm going to tell you the difference between religion and Christianity in a minute. But, but, but let me first answer this question or this statement. All religions are basically the same. This past Monday, I was cutting the jungle that was growing in my front yard, in my backyard due to the rains. And as I was cutting my yard, um, a group of people, the, the people that come knocking on to your house early in the morning, they came by, and uh, they, 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 they first pampered me. They said, you've done a good job. This looks so good. It didn't look good. So that was the first thing they did wrong. They lied to me, okay? Because I did it fast. I didn't do it to look good. I did it so that when we invited people to our house, I wouldn't be ashamed of the jungle we have outside. And they said, you know, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. And, and, and I said, you know, I didn't tell them I'm a pastor because I think when I tell people I'm a pastor, that just kind of puts like a different wall. I said, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. And they said, oh, we do too. And I said, but we don't believe in the same one. And then they said, oh, okay, well, have a great day. And I had to finish, so I didn't bother to, to, to keep talking. But listen, they basically, they, this statement says that all religions are, are basically the same. And although, listen to me, although there are surface level distinctions, they'll tell you, all religions fundamentally teach the same thing. In fact, they've used this mountain analogy, right? Where God is at the top and man is at the bottom and they're all, all the paths lead to him. Some paths go straight, others are curvy, others go up and down, and those are the religions, they'll say. But eventually, they all reach 
the top to God in their own way. Now, let me tell you that there is common ground between all the world's religions, especially concerning basic values and morality. Uh, I think all religions have some type of value and morality in them. So there are some small similarities, but there are also significant differences in the religions. For instance, Christianity believes that there is one eternal God who created the universe. Hinduism believes that everything is a God. You're a God, I'm a God, my iPad's a God, this carpet's a God. Um, Islam denies that Jesus was God or that he even died for our sins. Buddha may have not even believed in God. So while there are some similarities, there's also some vast differences in religions. So what is it that makes faith in Jesus different from every other religion? Well, here it is. This is so important. Every other religion is based on people doing something. In fact, that's what religion is. Religion is an attempt of people to reach God. If you come to church so that God would be pleased with you, 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 you have a religion. If you give so that God would not punish you, you have a religion. Because religion is the attempt of an individual or people to reach God. You know what Christianity is? Christianity is Jesus, who is God, reaching down to us. That's the difference. See, religion says we need to make our way to God. Christianity says no, we couldn't ever make our way to God. In fact, some of us don't even want to make our way to God. But God loves us so much that he sent his son down for us so that we could have a relationship with him. See, religion is spelled D-O, do. That's what religion is. It's a bunch of do's. You got do this, you got to do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. You know how you spell Christianity? D-O-N-E, done. See, because to have a relationship with God, whatever it was required, it's already done. So pastor, why do you talk about things we need to do? Okay, there is a difference. We respond to what has been done for us, not we do so that God can respond to us. See, there's certain ways we behave because now we have a relationship with God. We don't behave certain ways to have a relationship with God. But we behave a certain way because now God lives in us. And because now he is in us and we have a relationship with him, there is a certain way we ought to behave. See, that's, that's a huge difference. So not all religions are the same. And not all of them lead to God. That is why Jesus was able to say, I am the way and no one comes to the Father except for me because he's the only one that was God who came down to reach us because we couldn't reach him. Here's a second statement. Christianity is still just one philosophy among many. It is as valid as any other religion. A lot of people would say that. You know, and basically what this is, it's, it's, it, it, it talks about a pluralistic attitude, right? It's like, you have your truth and I have mine. Okay, there's some differences in Christianity and in my religion, but you have, I have as much um, equal right to claim the truth as you do. Now, 
Let me tell you something. As a Christian, if you're, if you're not a Christian, um, this is not for you. You don't have to follow this. But if, but if you're a Christian, um, you, you have to be tolerant of other people's views. Okay, let me say that again. You have to be tolerant. Okay, as Christians, we have made mistakes. We have killed people. We have destroyed um, towns. We have destroyed groups of people because we got our faith wrong. Okay, but as a Christian, you have to be tolerant of other people. The Bible tells us that we should be loving and accepting and respectful towards all people, regardless of their faith, regardless of their faith. Now, under our Constitution as Americans, all religious points of views are equally protected, all of them. As Christians, we don't have more rights than a Muslim or, or, a, or, a, or, a, or a, somebody who is from Islam or, or any other religion. All religions are protected under our Constitution. In America, you have the right to believe whatever you want. You have the right, and I think it's a wonderful right. Okay? And now, just because we have that right, some people jump to the erroneous conclusion that because all philosophies are equally protected, they must be equally true. Did you get that? Some people think that, well, all of them deserve rights, so they must all be true. Listen, under the concept of what the Supreme Court has called the marketplace of ideas is that truth and falsehood will contend unhindered debates, and in the end, truth will always prevail. So what our nation says is we're not going to force a truth on anybody. We're going to let people, we're going to let truth and falsehood exist and debate unhindered because in the end, what is going to happen? Truth is always going to prevail. Wasn't it Dr. Martin Luther King who said something that truth, that truth will always stand, that truth will always come forth? And see... So even though our religions are equally protected under our Constitution, that has nothing to do with the fact that they may be true. Okay? So now the question becomes, how do we know that Jesus is and was telling the truth? How do we know? Well, let me present some arguments. Jesus backs up his claim with unique credentials, credentials that make him exceptionally believable. There are some things that Jesus not only said, but did and was that make him exceptionally believable. Jesus not only claimed, but authenticated being the Son of God and God himself, listen to this, by fulfilling over 300 prophecies. And you say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, let me tell you what the odds are of one person fulfilling 300 plus a century old prophecies. Okay? One person fulfilling eight prophecies, and I think they'll put this up in the screen, is one in a quintillion. That's 18 zeros. One person fulfilling eight of the 300 plus prophecies being born of a, of a virgin, being born in Bethlehem, riding in on a donkey, all those prophecies, his lineage, uh, the time, all those things, one person has the chance, the odds of fulfilling a prophecies is one in a quintillion. One person 
fulfilling 48 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Okay? One person fulfilling 300 plus prophecies, only Jesus. <laughs> only Jesus. So not only did Jesus fulfill 300 plus prophecies, but Jesus performed great miracles that further authenticated his claim of being God. Jesus fulfilled his own prediction of his death and resurrection. Okay, if you can predict your death and your resurrection and make it true, I'll believe that you are God. We don't even know when we're going to die. We think we know, but we don't know. And Jesus didn't just claim he was the one and only son of God. He validated his claim throughout his lifestyle. And listen, there may be many paths that try to lead you to God, but there's only one that leads you to God, and that is Jesus. That is why we're looking at his statements. And see, if you've been experiencing religion, if you've been looking at Christianity as a religion of what people do, then you've you got the wrong lenses. Because first you need to look at the person of Christianity, which is Jesus, and experience him. And then you realize that you are, with the rest of us, struggling to become what he wants us to become. Now, there's another question that I thought it would be good to address in this um, sermon that I get a lot. And the question is, Pastor, if Jesus is the only way, what about those who live in isolated places and haven't had the chance to hear about Jesus? What happens with them? Well, this will shock you, but God hasn't explicitly told us all that we would like to know about this topic. There's many things that God is quiet about. Okay, and I know some people struggle with that. Well, why wouldn't God say something? But here's what we do know. We do know a few things to give us um, an idea, to give us some guidance in, in this question. First, and this is not in your outline. You might want to write it down somewhere. First, we know, that the we know from the Bible that everyone has a moral standard written on his or her heart by God. Everybody has a moral standard. Everybody knows what's right and what's wrong. And we, everybody knows, regardless of whether you know Jesus or not, you know what guilt is and you know when you violate those moral standards. So even if you don't know who Jesus is, you still know what's right and what's wrong. Second, we know from the Bible that everybody has enough information by observing creation that God exists. If you look at creation, you know that there's got to be a supreme being. And creation tells that he loves us. And the third thing we know, we know that those who sincerely seek God will find him. That those that sincerely seek him will find him. And there's, there's another thing too. The Bible is very clear that our God is, a, is carefully fair. That he's carefully fair. That he's not unfair. That he's not unjust. So the faith of those that live in remote places that haven't heard about Jesus is in the hands of God for the most part. But let me say something else. In a way, in a way, their faith is also in our hands. Because Jesus said, 
Go and make disciples of all the world. And we have a responsibility. Well, forget I said the word responsibility. We have a privilege of telling people of the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. See, I've, I, I know I said this a few weeks back, but when we refuse to tell people about Jesus, we're literally telling them, you can go to hell. You can go to hell. So, now, I want to look at this verse because I believe that it's got some implications for us. It's got something that can bless our life this morning. And what's the extraordinary thing about the statement that Jesus makes in this passage is the context in which he says it. It's the situation. It's what's going around. It's what was happening where we find the strength and the power in the words of Jesus and where we find a blessing for us this morning. Now, I need you to know this. I need you to know that most of the time when we hear uh, the verse of let your hearts not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, it's usually in a happy context. It's usually in a happy manner. And definitely when we talk about Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's a very optimistic uh, approach that we have. But, but don't get it wrong. The context in which Jesus said these words was a difficult one. It wasn't the brightest day. It wasn't a day of victory. It wasn't a day where things were going well. Let me tell you a little bit about the context. They are in the upper room. If you've read the Gospels, this is the room where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with them. Where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And, and this is hours. Jesus says these words hours before, he, before he's going to be arrested and executed. And Jesus has predicted his own death. Jesus has predicted that one of the disciples that is sitting there with him is going to betray him and it's going to lead to his death, but he's going to resurrect on the third day. So it's definitely not a happy environment. If you read the Gospels, you, you, could, you could almost um, touch that, that, that the feelings that dominate that, that scene is, is, fears, is, is, is feelings of fear, feelings of uncertainty, feelings of despair, feelings of anguish. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the anguish on him is so deep that he begins to sweat blood. So maybe, maybe today you find yourself here in an agonizing, difficult situation. Maybe things are not going well in your life. Maybe your marriage is on a crisis. Maybe your children aren't taking godly steps. Maybe your financial situation couldn't be worse. Maybe you're abusing alcohol or drugs and you don't know what to do. And you've tried getting out, but you aren't able to get out. Maybe the problems in your life have accumulated so high that you don't see a possible change in your future. Maybe you're so tired, so stressed, that there's no joy, there's no life in your days. And if that's you this morning, if you're in a difficult time, if you are experiencing a season of anguish, what do you do? What do you do? Here's what you do. Fill this out in your outlines. In times of anguish, Jesus speaks Listen to his voice. See, we, I just told you Christianity is about Jesus coming down to us, not asking us to go to him. And if you're in anguish, whether you have Jesus in your life or not, let me tell you something. 
He is speaking to your life. If you're saying, I can't hear him. You know why you can't hear him? Because first of all, you don't know him. And second, because you're not listening. You know that's possible not to listen? Husbands, uh, uh, oh, let me say this. Wives, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Sometimes your wife's talking to you and you're like, yeah, honey, oh, that's good. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you're just kind of nodding your head. And then she catches on to you and she says, what did I just say? And if you're smart, you'll come back with a, have I ever told you how beautiful you are? I should have said that in a man's conference, not in a service, right? I just, I just gave that away. But it's possible for somebody to be speaking to you and you not hear their voice because you're not listening. And listen, when times of anguish and difficulty arrive, there's going to be many voices speaking to your ears. There's going to be many voices speaking to your heart. You have the voice of the enemy who will always bring condemnation, who will always bring judgment, and he'll tell you that you'll never get through this. He'll tell you that you are not going to improve, that there's no solution. But the Bible says that he is a liar, that he is the father of lies. And anything he says is a lie, is not true. So don't listen to his voice. But there's also the voices within us, the voices of our conscience. And they lie to us as well. They alter our emotions. They disturb us. They're voices that rob our peace, that rob our joy, that rob our hope, that rob our faith. Listen, this happens to you as much as it happens to me. And I believe God brought you here this morning to speak to your anguish, to speak to your need, to speak to your situation. And what is it that Jesus is saying to us? Well, he's saying three things, and I think you know what they are. Number one, you can fill this out in your outline. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the way. When we hear the voice of Jesus, listen, here's what's going to happen. He's going to lift us from the place we are into a better place. He is the way out. He is the way to the answer. He is the way to a better future. He is the way to the solution. He is the way to, to a new beginning. Every time Jesus speaks and we listen, he says, I am the way. And what he does is that he paints a better picture for us. See, do you know why many of you can't get out of the situation you're in? Because you can't see yourself in a better place. You can't see your marriage working. You can't see your kids being restored. You can't see your health being healed. You can't see your finances working. And because you can't see it, you stay where you are. Look at what Jesus says in verses 1 through 4. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That word trouble in Greek means anguish, dejected, agitated, restless, unstable. So he knows that they're down. He knows that it's a gloomy. He knows that it's a difficult time. But look at what he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now listen, what Jesus is doing here, one thing you have to know about the Bible is that it was written for the people in that time. And this doesn't make a, a, 
a whole lot of sense for us. But to the hearers of that time, it made a lot of sense. Because it speaks of a Hebrew wedding. It speaks of the groom going away to prepare a home where he could come back and, and bring his bride with him, and that's where they would start living together. See, because the engagement part of a Hebrew uh, relationship was also considered a wedding. It was considered marriage. Remember Joseph and Mary? Right? It says that, that they were engaged, and when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he said, I am going to divorce her. How can he divorce her if they're not married? It was part of their culture. So when they engaged, listen to this young man, when they proposed, they went out and they bought a house. They made a place where they could live and dwell together. And that's what Jesus is referring to. And Jesus here is speaking of heaven. He's talking about our heavenly home. Now let me tell you something that I know. That if you are in tune, you'll discover this. There is something within each, every single one of us, that intuitively knows that this world is not our home. There's something that you know. In fact, C.S. Lewis said the following. The, the famous author said the following. By the way, did you know that C.S. Lewis was an atheist? But he died as a Christian. And look at what he says. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, and that's what the worship team was singing today. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. See, what your soul really longs for is to be with God. That's what we want, and that's what satisfies. You think you want your husband to stop being a knucklehead, but what you really, really want and need is the presence of God in your life. You think you need a new job because we're really good at deceiving ourselves. If I just had another job, I wouldn't be so miserable. No, you would still be miserable because there is a deeper longing in you that only the presence of God satisfies. And Jesus is the way to our home, to where we belong. And fill this out in your outline. When you don't know Jesus, you'll get lost. When you don't know Jesus, you are going to get lost. See, a lot of you, you're trying to find the answer. You're trying to find the way, and you've made things worse, haven't you? Oh, I'm just going to drink just to kind of, you know, just to kind of disconnect, take the age off. And what you're really doing is you're distancing your loved ones from the promises, from the goals. You're saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get distracted a little bit. I don't want to deal with it. But what you're really doing is bottling down more bitterness that it's making you into a worse person and not the kind of person you want to become. Because when you don't know Jesus, you'll end up more lost. And that is why Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way to a better place. I, I, I want to tell you something. And it's not me telling you. It's, it's, it's the word of God telling you. It, it, it's Jesus saying, you want a better place? Follow me. Let me in. Remember last week I told you, if you feel like you're in a tomb, let Jesus in. And he'll bring you back to life. You feel lost. You feel like you haven't found the way. You feel like your life is going nowhere. Let Jesus in and he'll show you the way to a better place. Second thing Jesus says in our anguish, in our need, in our difficulty. 
He says, I am the truth. He says, I am the truth. You know, they say that um, wisdom um, is easier after the event than before the event. But wisdom is supposed to be wisdom before it happens. We all are wise after the issue, right? It's like, ah, oh, okay, now I know. Yesterday, yesterday, my wife and I, we got invited to do a, a uh, budgeting seminar. And by the way, in, in the summer, we're going to offer us a budgeting seminar in our church. We, we want to teach you to be able to uh, live on a budget. And we did a budgeting seminar for a lot of uh, young adults. And uh, uh, as we were doing it, uh, halfway through it, I began to ask them, I began to ask them, um, you know, what, 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 what are you feeling right now? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts? One, one, uh, one young girl said, my parents have been telling me this all my life. Now it finally makes sense. I guess they were right. Right? And, and we all know what to do sometimes when it's too late. But I want to tell you that that doesn't have to be the case. That there's always an answer, that there's always wisdom, that there's always truth to your situation. And listen, we're going to face some situations in life that are bigger than our capabilities, that are bigger than our, our education, that are bigger than our capacity to comprehend or be able to articulate an answer. And that's where we're going to meet Jesus. When you don't know Jesus, fill this out in your outline. When you don't know Jesus, you're going to believe lies. Oh, he cheated on you? Oh, it's done. It can't be restored. Just go, go start fresh again. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because God can, Jesus can restore it. There is nothing impossible. Oh, oh, you're in bankrupt? Oh, you're always going to be poor. That's a lie. That is a lie. Look at what John 8, 32, you know this verse. Um, then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Okay, let me show you that verse in a different way, okay? I don't know if you've ever done this. Replace the truth for Jesus, and look at the difference it makes. Then you will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you what? Free. Some of you, you're after the truth, and you're looking for a philosophy. You're looking for a set of values, which you really need as a person, and that person is Jesus. Because when you don't know Jesus, you're going to believe the lies. And here's the thing about believing lies. You act according to those lies, right? If you, if you don't believe that change is possible, you're going to settle for your situation. You're going to settle. And that is why Jesus says, I am the truth. Now, let me tell you something. I got to warn you. I got to give you a warning, a pastoral warning, okay? Many times... The truth of God or what God tells you to do is not easy. If you're after easy answers, Jesus isn't it. You can listen to the devil. He'll give you easy answers. Many times what Jesus tells us to do, the truth he gives us is not easy. But you ready for this? It is always possible because he empowers us to do it. See, if you try to do the truth that Jesus tells you on your own, you won't make it. But that's why he told his disciples, it is better that I leave you because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come down. And listen, Jesus was God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And because now God is in us, whatever he tells us to do, we are able to do. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? <laughs> 
If it's impossible, you're doing it on your own. But when you trust and depend on God, Jesus said everything is possible. The third thing Jesus says to us, the third thing he says to our anguish, to our need, to our situation, he says, I am the life. I am the life. Listen, we're all going to die. Some of us sooner than later. Okay, I know you don't want to hear that, but that's true. Okay. And here's another very sad truth. We're closer to that day every day more and more. You're closer to your today than you were yesterday. Okay. But you know what the saddest thing is? That many people will die never truly experiencing true life. And that many people will die and experience an eternal death because they never knew eternal life. Listen, what Jesus tells us here is that he is the life. And he's just not eternal life. He is the life that you need in your anguish, that you need in your difficulty, that you need in your situation. And fill this out in your outline. When you don't know Jesus, you're going to settle for death. When you don't know Jesus, you'll give up. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay in debt. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay addicted. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay miserable. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay negative. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay broke. When you don't know Jesus, you'll stay uneducated. But when you know Jesus, you know he comes and he infuses life into our existence. And listen, I'm able to do things, not because I'm a good person, but because Jesus has infused life in me. Everything that I'm able to do, I'm able to do it because he's led me, because he's taught me, because he's sustained me, because he's guided me, because he's empowered me. It's not my doing. It is his life in my life showing life to others. Amen. So in your anguish, in your need, in your situation, I want to tell you this morning, you can experience life. You can experience life. If you just let it be. See, time doesn't heal everything. Time doesn't heal cancer. Time doesn't heal everything. Jesus heals everything. And if you just let it be, it's going to lead to death. You know, my, she's driving me crazy. I'm just going to go away and things will get better. No, they won't get better with her. Things will get worse and, and your marriage will die. But if you listen to the voice of Jesus, he'll bring life into your difficult situation and you'll experience life and life in abundance. Look at what 1 John 5.12 says, and I'll wrap up with this. Whoever has the Son, who's the Son? Jesus. Whoever has the Son has what? Whoever does not have Son does not have. Now you're saying, I don't believe in Jesus and I'm alive. Yeah, you're existing, but you're not experiencing true life. And the biggest thing is that while you are existing, you don't have eternal life. Because we just saw today how Jesus can make claim, exclusive claim, to him being the only way to the Father. So here's a question for those of you 
that you don't have Jesus in your heart, that you don't have a relationship, that maybe you've been staying away from a religion or maybe you've been trying to live a religion, but you haven't been living a relationship. The question is, why not let them in today? Why not start today? Why not experience the way to a better, to a better life, the truth, and the life? Because if you have Jesus, you'll know the way. Because if you have Jesus, you'll know the truth. If you have Jesus, you'll have life. Now, for those of us who already have Jesus, but we're in distress, we're in anguish, we're in need, let's listen to his voice this morning. He is everything you need. He is everything you want. And the lover of your life is speaking into your soul.